Well, good morning, Graceway family. Pastor Ed here, and I'm grateful to be bringing the word to you this morning uh, through the book of Daniel. Uh, also looking forward to seeing you all next week. It's only next week now to our uh, April reunion service. Uh, so excited to see you all there and have a great time worshiping the Lord together. Uh, but for today, we are working our way uh, through these last chapters of the book of Daniel. And uh, what we read specifically this week was through chapters 9 through kind of halfway through uh, chapter 11. And man, you know, the first half of this book um, is such an easier read than the last half. You know, it starts off in a narrative telling just the story of Daniel, his life and his experiences living in a foreign land. Uh, all well and good. There's so many things that we can glean from his life. Um, but then it turns a hard corner here in these chapters that we've been reading now where Daniel receives these vast visions from the Lord and then goes into detail about not only the vision but even like the meanings of the of the vision but even the meaning came in like symbolic form and and sometimes it's so difficult to kind of understand and glean like what can we really learn from this like how do we how do we follow this um but if you've had a little bit of a challenging time kind of following along in the reading, you're not alone. You know, this is, it's, it's not an easy thing to follow. But not only that, maybe you caught some of Daniel's responses. I mean, here's the guy receiving the visions firsthand from the Lord. And look at just a couple of these responses. In Daniel chapter 8, in verse 27, he says, after he received the vision, he says, I was worn out. I lay there exhausted for several days. I was appalled by the vision. Chapter 9, verse uh, 2, he, he says, I mourned for three weeks after he got the vision. Uh, and in the verse 12, he says, I heard, he heard what the Lord said, but I did not understand. Daniel 12, 8. These things are not easy for us to understand. If Daniel himself had a hard time grasping and, and processing all that the Lord was showing him, of course, how, mu how much more so will we kind of struggle a little bit with these with these interpretations and, and, and what to do with it, what to think of all these things. But, um, you know, many times when God's revelation comes, man, he, the things of God are so deep and so far beyond us that, so that when he speaks and when he gives revelation, many times those things are speaking into um, more than one situation, more than one uh, scenario is what he's speaking into simultaneously because because um, his words and the meanings are so deep that they are applicable to more than one situation. But without going into too much crazy detail, there's just a few different observations I want to glean from what Daniel uh, 9 through 11 show us. And the first is this, just kind of big picture view of us look at, looking at what's happening here is the fact is that the fact of the matter is God is revealing himself to Daniel. He is showing Daniel the things to come. He's confiding in Daniel, saying, I want you to know these things. The reality is God wants to make himself known. You know, I, I think about the scripture um, in 2 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, where it says that the eyes, eyes of the Lord search the, the whole earth, uh, seeking for a heart who is, that is fully committed to him. Like he is the one doing the seeking. He is looking 
for people to whom uh, uh, he can entrust himself, to whom he can reveal himself. He wants to show himself to you and I. And in order for him to do that, he's looking for the one he can trust, he can confide in. You know, even it says in the book of John, I chose you, you didn't choose me. He is looking on the active. He is the one um, actively seeking out, who can I show myself to? Who can I confide in? Who can I reveal the things that I have planned? He's not a God who hides from us. He is a God who is wanting us to know more. And really what it comes down to is just a matter of, are we turning our ear to the Lord? Are we giving him that time? Are we giving him our attention so that he can communicate these things to us? The second thing I want to I want to pull from what we read this week is this. You know, the the extension, the extensive vision that God gave Daniel um, and the details that were involved in that. He was not just telling him, if you, if you might have caught on to this uh, through the reading, he was not just telling him of just a random series of events that was going to occur over the next hundreds of years just for, just for nothing. He was giving Daniel very specific information as far as how the world stage was going to be set and prepared for the arrival of the Messiah of the entire world. And, and, and hopefully you caught on to that. What he's saying is, and, and this is from Daniel 9.25, he's telling him that these are the things to come before the anointed one comes into the world. And so all of these stories about the king of the north and the, the um, queen of the south and, and all these just this battling that's constantly going on back and forth. And if you didn't notice, Israel is right in the middle of where this constant back and forth was happening, right in the center of the conflict through these centuries of years. This is going on, the back and forth. And what's happening really is that the world stage is being prepared so that when Christ came in the perfect fullness of time, not only was the world going to be ready to receive him, but the world stage was going to be set so that his message could be easily carried throughout the world without much difficulty. So all of the, you know, there's a scripture that says all of the mountains were going to be brought down low. All of the valleys were going to be brought down up. There's going to be a level path with which we, the gospel could be shared throughout the world. And there's, there's, there's many different levels to how that stage was being prepared. But just a few quick ones are this. First is communication. There had to be a way to easily communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the message of Christ and what he was all about. And so this is one of those things that was prepared for them. See, with the battling of back and forth, and finally, the Roman power is the one that was in power when Jesus came, and they were in power for about 200 years. And so now with Rome in power, what happened was not only did every country speak its own native language, but for, for much of the known world, they spoke not only their native language, but they also spoke, uh, they also spoke in Greek. And so now this was going to be, this was the, the common language of the world. This was common to, for us, you know, especially in the United, United States. Most of us, we speak one language and then we can stumble along a couple words or maybe say the alphabet in Spanish or maybe French or some other language. But in these times, this was a common practice to speak two or maybe even more languages. Well, not for nothing. <laughs> Much of the world, even today, outside of the United States, can speak uh, more than one language. 
with English often being uh, a common language of the world. But for this time, Greek was that common language. It, it had become that common language because the Romans were the ones in power at the time. So now they could carry the gospel message easily uh, and communicate that throughout the world. The second thing that was prepared for the world stage to receive the coming Messiah was, was peace. Under the Roman Empire, there was a peace that had been put into place called the Pax Romana, a peace that was put into place throughout the Roman Empire that protected everyone under their rule. And so now, all the hostilities and war that was constantly back and forth that would make it, make it so dangerous to travel anywhere in the world, that had come to a halt. Under the Pax Romana, it had become safe now to travel amongst uh, the, a, a huge percentage of the known world. And everywhere in the Roman Empire, now you could not only communicate with everybody through the, that similar language of Greek, but now it was also safe to actually go to these vast places. The third thing that was prepared in the world stage for Christ's coming is even just a mindset and the world view. See, now up, up to this point, uh, the majority, if not all, um, of humankind believed in some kind of God, but they were all different gods. And, and you have those gods which are attached to that land, but you live over here, so you serve the gods of that land. And uh, a lot of it was, a tied, was tied to mysticism and just uh, um, this uh, ideology and these different kinds of things. But now what had happened is they began to see and think about the idea of God in a new way. It had a new concept and they were open to new understanding of who God was. And so these, these three things, a worldview, a peace to travel, and uh, a, a language to communicate, those are three huge factors in what helped to prepare the world stage to receive the coming Messiah and for that message of the Messiah to be carried throughout the world so that all would come to hear it and, and have that opportunity to come to faith. But now there's one other thing I want to take a, a closer look at for just a moment here before we break off into uh, our time together in, in our home churches. And it's this, this verse in Daniel 9, 19. It says, and this comes from uh, Daniel's prayer. He's praying to the Lord and he says to the God, delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. So Daniel is praying here for God's glory. He says, for your own sake, don't delay in restoring your people. Daniel's praying for God's glory to be restored in his people. So what I want you to grasp is this. The restoration of God's glory was attached to the restoring of of God's people. See, the, the, the well-being of Israel as God's chosen people reflected the power and might of their God, reflected his glory. These things were attached. So Israel understood that they were God's chosen people. And so their disgrace, when they were in times of discipline and punishment and shame, they knew that, that their disgrace reflected on their God. And you can see this from many different passages throughout the Old Testament. And, and the, the first one that comes to mind for me, maybe you can think of it too, is from Exodus 32 with Moses after they had first come in. His first couple months have been freed from slavery, now entered the desert. And you remember when Moses went to the top of the mountain to meet with God and he was 
uh, taking some time there. He was there for a number of days, and while he was up there getting the instructions on, on how to live for God, what happened? Aaron, his brother, is down, is down at the base of the mountain creating an idol for the people to worship, and they begin worshiping the idol. And when God saw that, remember, he says he, he was ready to pull, he was ready to go like Noah mode on them and just wipe out the whole nation and say, all right, Moses, we're going to start from scratch from you and your family will be the chosen people will be the nation because these people are hard headed here and they're not going to get it. So we just, we need to start over. And you'll remember, and this is Exodus 32, uh, this is where Moses uh, put out his plea. He pleaded before the Lord for mercy and said, God, and this is how he did it though. Similar to Daniel's prayer. He said, listen, you just displayed your might and power in the nation of Egypt and freed us. What will Egypt and what will these nations think about you, O oh God, if they see that you had the power to bring us into the desert, but you didn't have the power to bring us all the way through into the, into the land? Their well-being and their good is attached to God's glory. This is how they saw it. Israel was unmoved in the fact that they were God's chosen people. And this, this is where I think we can glean from as the people of God. See, many believers, uh, we don't see ourselves attached to God in the same way that Israel saw themselves attached to God. They were confident and they knew who they were. They knew that they were God's people. And so if they were God's people, they belong to him and they understand the connection be between, between, you know, a son or a daughter and the father. They knew, they knew the connection between something, a possession that belongs to someone and how that possession was being cared for is reflected upon the owner. How that child is being cared for and their conditions, it reflects upon their father and their mother. But see, we as believers, we don't see that same connection for whatever reason. We don't always associate even ourselves with the Lord at the same level that the scripture teaches us that we actually have. See, for whatever reason, we kind of disassociate or we kind of create a separation um, from ourselves and from the Lord. Say, for instance, when someone is experiencing a hardship or and it's perceived as a, a judgment or a separation or a disconnection, a removal from God. And so now... Uh, that attachment that we actually have as sons and daughters of God has been broken, has been cut off. And now the thought is now we have to somehow work to restore a connection that was, that was broken, an attachment that's been removed. For many of us, even experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift that points us to the truth, but when we experience this conviction, our our mind turns it into condemnation, which is not from God. And the thoughts that come into our mind, not from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but from the enemy and from our own, our own condemnation, our own condemning minds, uh, these thoughts feed the notion that we are not accepted, that we uh, are not God's chosen people. And as a result, we tend to feel this need that we need to work back into the favor of God, which we have lost. And this, this is where we can learn from our, our Jewish forefathers. We know that we have an attachment to the Lord. 
all over Scripture, it tells that. I mean, even like we mentioned just a, a few moments ago, we are God's chosen people. He chose us. We didn't choose him. We accepted him when he chose us. John 15, you did not choose me. I chose you. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood and holy nation. You are God's special possession. That doesn't change depending upon our circumstance or depending upon our actions. You are God's special possession. This is who you are. And so what we even get ourselves maybe sometimes tangled up in, it doesn't change who we are. And my prayer, man, is that we can, be, we can learn to really um, take ownership of our position in Christ. We are his possession. We belong to him. There is an attachment there. Just like Israel saw their well-being attached to his glory, we are attached to him. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that mercy doesn't go away depending upon the day. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. And there it is, the attachment all the way back to our Jewish forefathers. In Christ, we now have become part of that spiritual Israel, and we are attached to our God. He has made us his own. And man, when we can realize who we are and acknowledge our place in Christ and come before him with a humble confidence, man, that is liberating. That is going to change the way that we operate in this world. When we, when we recognize our connectedness to his glory and his goodness, it's going to transform the way that we see things and it's going to liberate us to live for him in power. In the closing verses of Daniel chapter 12, uh, it was spoken to Daniel, As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. It may not all make sense. It's not always going to all make sense. You don't need to know it all, or you don't need to understand everything. It's just a matter of faith. Go your way the rest of your days, and in the end, you will rise and receive your allotted inheritance. So I pray that the Spirit will continue uh, to guide you and reassure you of who you are in Christ, and even continue to reveal the deeper things of God to you. Family, be well and blessed. I love you and look forward to seeing you soon.